Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to uh, the latest edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me today is uh, Max Hillebrand, where we um, got to talking about uh, some crazy, <laughs> like this kid. Oh my God, he's got some crazy, crazy stories. Uh, if you've not heard these stories before, definitely stick around. If you have heard Max before on some other podcasts, I think we we probably go down some some random rabbit holes that you, you may not have been taken down before. So definitely uh, worth sticking around for. He's also part of um, a conference that is being launched next week, hcpp.cz, which is a hackers conference. And um, they're going to be doing a mix, a hybrid of um, a meat space conference and cyberspace conference. And uh, that's why we're rushing this one out because uh, he reached out to see if it, um, you know, be um, be available to help out over that weekend, next weekend, which um, I'm going to be able to uh, just briefly uh, be part of it and uh, host some of the guests there on their 24/7 live streaming TV, which sounds like a lot of fun. Um, and he surprised me with um, a 50% uh, off discount voucher for anybody listening to the show. So. Make sure you um, you listen out for that. Uh, that's towards the end of the show. Really enjoyed spending time with this young man. Um, some um, what an amazing mind. Some amazing stories. Really, um, you know, more bullish Bitcoin. Who could have thought that? Uh, enjoy the show. Um, before we get going, make sure you check out coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten if you want to start stacking some sats over in the UK. Uh, if you're uh, stateside, swanbitcoin.com forward slash once bitten, they have you covered. Thanks and everyone for supporting the show. Uh, big shout out to Obi at CoinFloor for um, supporting the show. And, um, you know, the music in the background is from uh, Sir Badders himself and um, Adam for, for putting all of this um, music and, and audio together and Adam Woodham's one for producing the show. Let's get to it, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, see you after. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Once Bitten podcast, and joining me today is Max Hillebrand. Max, thank you so much for um, coming on the show and sharing your time. Well, th thank you very much for the invite, Daniel. It's really fantastic. Um, I'm looking forward to our conversations. Uh, just uh, just in previous chats that we had off the record, I, I really much enjoyed our flow and, and the topics that we were covering. So I'm really looking forward to this. Excellent, mate. Thank you. Um, thanks again for reaching out. And um, we've got plenty to talk about, plenty um, to do with uh, privacy and uh, like a nomadic lifestyle, which I know that you are leading and trying to go, well, pretty much Bitcoin only, which is pretty interesting. Um, first of all, Lauren is here to, uh, to ask the first question of Max. So Lauren, what did you want to know? Uh, what is it what you want to do in Bitcoin? Oh, that's a really good question, actually. Um, 
I, I want to build the tools that I use myself, um, the, the tools that I can use to defend my, my property and my life and my loved ones um, uh, on a long-term basis. Uh, and there are already gr many great tools out there that I can use right now. Uh, but because these are free and open source software tools, it, it is my responsibility to make sure that they work properly and that I understand how to use them. And, you know, also that I can teach others how to use them. Um, and, and this is the, the main goal, I would say, why, why I'm a Bitcoin, uh, because I use it every day. Oh, you... Okay. And you've you've just been watching um, that social dilemma movie, right? So um, that's all about yeah, but I haven't finished all of it yet. What is yeah, it but about? It's pretty scary. What's going on? Yeah, it's kind of a bit creepy. It's about um, like the the spreading of fake news and and how we can yeah. all be um, have our opinions protesting. yeah opinions swayed and how easy it is for people to um, you know divide society mm -hmm. with um, with the use of. Uh, social networks. Yes, you know, um, ideas are incredibly powerful. Um, and I very much loved um, that, that uh, how Ludwig von Mises put this, um, that, that uh, ideas are literally uh, tools that entrepreneurs use to allocate all of their resources, right? It's, it's better strategies, it's better information, um, just about what to do with your time and your money. Um, and as information can be uh, can be propagandized, right, where it's um, selectively skewed towards one mindset, uh, and, and specifically when that is enforced on a grand level, right, with multiple types of tweaking on how this information is published and how it reaches others, this has a, a huge impact. Um, because again, the, the information that you take in uh, partially makes you, right? Because that is the input that you tr then later try to understand and act upon. So if the input that you take in is poisonous, then none of your actions can be fruitful neither. Uh, so this is for sure something very, very um, uh, dangerous and something that ought to be very carefully considered. And that's also why education is so, so, so important. And that's why I really much applaud you, Daniel, uh, for, for doing these podcasts, uh, because this is the education that we actually need to, to fight against that propaganda and against that um, fake news. And against Bitcoin FUD, for <laughs> yes, sure, yes. because there's so much of that to, to um, protect ourselves from. So uh, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, ask Max about? No. <laughs> no? Okay. Yeah, I think that's it. That's it? Okay, now okay. I, I, have a question. Yeah. I have a question for you, actually. Um, okay. Why are you so interested in Bitcoin that, that you're here talking about it now? I'm not that interested in it. I'm just... Um, so my dad talks about it a lot, so I was like... <laughs> Uh, so boring. But sometimes he talks. Sometimes he talks about things that I hear, what I like. Um, and I just had a question um, one day when he was doing a podcast, and then I just kept on having questions to different people. So that's great. Um, by the way, you know, having these types of good conversations with with all these my, uh, smart minds out there is, is a great way to learn. Uh, because you, as you said, right, you, you get to come up with really interesting questions and ask them, and then you get their point of view and their insight, and that, and that can help you shape uh, that understanding of the subject. And of course, it will throw up a, a bunch of new questions that you can then continue to ask uh, other people uh, on the show. So that's quite nice, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and you've met a lot of guys, haven't you? Yeah, and women. Yes. And of course, yes. <laughs> Which one? I think I've met two. Well, you met Petek, didn't you? Yeah, Petek yep. and their artist. And, and no, um, Sylvia. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sylvia was the psychologist and yeah. um, Petek was the artist. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see. Okay. Would well, you want to say goodnight to, uh, to Max? Bye and good night. Good night to you too. Enjoy the slumber. <laughs> Thanks, mate. And uh, and cheers. Uh, raise a glass. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Skull. I know you're. What? You, yeah. Let's let's neck it. No. What? Uh, <laughs> do you want to tell the listeners what you're drinking? I, I just have a run of the mill left beer. So uh, <laughs> you know. So I, I grew up in Bavaria. So naturally, beer is is basically my blood. <laughs> but I also do fancy, uh, you know, whiskey and and, and scotch and gins. Uh, quite a lot. So right now, I'm zipping on a Jameson Irish whiskey, uh, triple distilled, uh, a, a, quite a good one. Um, so so it's uh, yeah, it's a nice uh, drink for a conversation. Absolutely, and yeah, it's um, we, we we chatted the other day when when we first connected and we had a great conversation and uh, you know deciding to do this show and um, to you know to get your thoughts and from somebody of your um, of your age group who's pretty much gone bitcoin only gone full nomad digital lifestyle and um playing around with all of this highly privacy kind of um focus stuff is um is really really great uh for 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 me coming from like the older generation to to learn about so um well the older generation i'm 44 um (laughs) ancient ancient so uh, yeah exactly one of those ancient bitcoiners right (laughs) Uh, <laughs> um so how how then i mean how long have you been you know down this bitcoin rabbit hole because um you, you don't have to dox your age if you don't want to but as, as far as i remember you're you're far younger than I am. <laughs> well, well um, so, I mean, there are a bunch of rabbit holes that I went down. And I think I was always in the freedom rabbit hole. Uh, I think that was a uh, like an axiom that very quickly I discovered. And, of course, more and more have refined over the years. Um, and then early on, I, I also started, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur and, and earning money and trying to satisfy my clients. And this is where I got really, really interested in that science of entrepreneurship. Right? What makes a good entrepreneur? Um, and, and how do I make more profit, frankly? Uh, and, and this is where I first learned about... Uh, Keynesian mainstream economics, which is bogus bullshit, and then eventually discovered Austrian economics uh, that explained a lot of the open questions that I had specifically about entrepreneurship, about monetary theory. Uh, so I fell down that rabbit hole at, at, at a young age, and I really thrived in it and, and enjoyed it quite a lot. Um, and I've made some backgrounds in, in the incumbent financial industry, uh, you know, working with investment funds and family offices and, and treasuries, um, as, as well as then doing a bachelor's degree at, at Deutsche Bank. Um, so so I, I was inside the belly of the beast for sure. Um, but um, like knowing all of the that Austrian background um, made me understand that there's a huge problem in money uh, currently. Fiat, fiat, the fiat regime is just absolutely ty- uh, tyrannical uh, and not acceptable. Um, and then it led me to a search for a better alternative. And naturally, gold doesn't really fit in cyberspace. And Bitcoin comes up c- pretty quickly as the best alternative. Uh, and ever since then, I got kind of kicked down um, more that cypherpunk, crypto anarchy rabbit hole, really that technology, that applying cryptographic techniques of cyberspace to protect individual liberties. Um, this is where I've learned the most over this last happening in this rabbit hole. Um, because again, that, that economics background I had quite a bit before, although of course it, it grew and expanded. But that applied technology background is really where I've seen the, the most progress for myself. So where where did you where were you growing up and what was the first kind of foray into uh, entrepreneurship? What 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 was the the need you were trying to um 
to satisfy it? You know, what, what was that? What was that pull to build that business? Yeah, so I, I grew up in southern Germany in, in, in a region where that is that's famously known actually for being frugal and for um, a, a lot of family businesses, a, a lot of savings um, uh, and and investments, uh, but but not much consumption. So that that was always also the mindset of my parents, and uh, I'm very grateful that that at an early age they said, I mean, we're going to provide you with, with like your basic needs of food and shelter naturally, but if you want to get something special, right, something something unique like an extra toy or whatnot, you got to earn it. Uh, the stuff doesn't just magically grow on trees. You have to work for it. Um, and, and this mindset was was really engraved in my early childhood. And I'm a huge supporter of child labor. Uh, is a, it's fantastic right? <laughs> uh, because you got to be productive. Uh, and learning that at an early stage is great. Uh, so, so for me... Um, uh, the, the early job that, that I had was uh, delivering newspapers uh, when I was like eight or nine years old, um, for, like uh, a, a very lousy uh, minimum wage. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, it was it was still great because I, I got to provide a service and it was useful. Uh, and the people in my neighborhood appreciated me right, when I brought a, a, the, the paper. And that was something really fulfilling. And it, it stocked me up with that capital that I could then use to buy uh, stuff that my parents would not just gift me. Um, and uh, this, this was kind of my first way. And then I kind of got fed up with delivering the newspapers. It was very boring. Uh, so I got into restaurants uh, and, and helped out in kitchens and, and cleaned tables uh, and, and cooked eventually and then helped manage uh, kitchens. And even though know, I started my own Italian gelato ice cafe with a friend. Um, uh, so so it, it, that background in, in serving clients uh, food right, and, and providing that happy environment for them to, to enjoy a cup of espresso, uh, this is, is something that, I've, that I also really, really much enjoy. Um, uh, and um, in part also that's that's where my my desire for education and, and like that human contact comes in yeah and it's funny like you know we kind of laugh about it um about the child labor thing but i've said it many times before to my kids like you know you should be able if you want to be able to go out and work in a shop if a shop needs um you know so lauren who you just met she really loves um, like the idea of when she grows up, she owns her own cafe and she likes that community feel and serving a customer and the chitter chatter and the vibe that, you know, living here in the southwest of France, you, you, you know, you have that kind of, so she, she likes that mm-hmm. and she sees how people interact with each other and it's a, a nice friendly place. Um, so that's her thing. And she's nine and the lady that, uh, that owns the local cafe She's allowed her a couple of times to come in. She's shown her how to use the uh, the big, great big coffee machine and she serves the coffee to the people and it puts a huge smile on her face. You, see. Um, you know, nine, granted, is probably a little bit too young to be doing something like that, but there's no reason like a 12 or 13-year-old couldn't be doing that. But because of regulations, God forbid that, you know, one of them might scold a finger or something like that. You know, it's, um, and it's like it, it, taking advantage of, yes. of the young or the young are taking away older people's jobs, all this kind of nonsense. Yeah, no, no, it's, know, it's absolutely it nonsense. Is, right, and as you said, yeah. she likes doing it. It's actually pleasurable, right, to provide a service to others. Uh, and, and it's something that individuals enjoy. Right? That's why we do it fundamentally. Otherwise, we wouldn't. Um, so to start that at an early age, to actually be productive and to help others, it's such a virtuous character trait. And I think that that ought to be established with every child, um, you know, to provide service for others. It's great. But also, you know, to earn money that comes with it. When you that, That's the feedback, the positive, right? If you actually do provide a service, you get money and you can, you can buy stuff that you will like or you can save it um it's it's great yeah and when i was a kid we used to walk around with um 
uh, sponges and buckets and just knock on doors and ask people if they wanted their cars washed. Yeah. And then you yeah. you use their shampoo and you use their water and like you know you had no overhead costs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's actually that's actually quite learn. smart, right? Your customers provide the capital um, to yep. uh, um, to do this. All you need to provide is the capital of your time, right? And your monkey work. <laughs> And you get rewarded yes, for it yes. because uh, it's you know it's uh, you know it's it's already a mutual beneficial trade. Even though the adult could probably wash the car a bit faster, right? Just because the kid can take care of it and it's done, the adult can focus on something where he's marginally superior at, as Austrians would say, right? And that provides for a mutual beneficial outcome. And we've created more capital and more wealth and more value and more satisfaction that we otherwise would have. Child labor is beautiful, as just like any other division of labor is. Age has nothing to do with it. Absolutely. And I guarantee you, when when those adults were handing us over a few pound coins or five pound notes or whatever it was that uh, the price that had been agreed on, they always had smiles on their face, even if we'd done a terrible job, <laughs> right? They were, they were rewarding. They weren't rewarding the job. They were rewarding the effort. Yes, yes. And they were, you know, they were reward, they were rewarding the, um, the intent. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, as an adult now, I would love for a kid to walk up my driveway and ask to do some odd job and I'd have him raking leaves or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yes. But to, to have that exchange yes. and to see that intent, um, we've lost that. We've gone so far the other way yeah. that it's just... It's, yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's just another... It's another part of monetary education has been stripped away. Precisely, right? And, and as you said, the government meddling, right? To, to have a minimum wage means to exclude all of these low-wage employees from the market. Kids are forbidden from doing productive work because they don't do productive work that is worth $10 an hour or something, right? So nobody's kind of willing to pay $10 for work that is worth $3 to them, right? So all of these kids are out of a job. Basically, then further, of course, the minimum age restriction or, or, or just all the bureaucracy restrictions that there are on the employment market. As you said, if, if your employment, if your employer is stupid and burns his finger, um, like you're going to be liable for that, especially in crazy jurisdiction like, like the US. <laughs> so, so there's a bunch of ways um, where the bureaucrats are frankly in, of the, in the way of productive entrepreneurs who exchange their free services um, and, and try to create something beautiful and valuable. Uh, and it's just a huge cost for society in general. Yeah, it's um, and another random one. Whilst we're on this rant, um, <laughs> you have this situation in the UK where um, I'm using air quotes, listeners. Immigrants would come in to again, air quotes, steal the jobs of um, <laughs> yes, of, of the the good people in England that would, um, you know. I'm sure go out in their own droves and pick their own fruit. Um, but so you have this, you have this situation where lots of people come across from uh, many other European countries to to pick the fruit in the fruit picking season for minimum wage, and we'll live in a like caravan on site and whatever else, and they get a bit of a bad rap. But at the other end of like um, the, the scale, you have the like the middle to upper middle class turning up at the same farm to pay the farmer. <laughs> To go fruit picking on a on a lifestyle day out, you know, so it's completely it's completely random. The um, it, it's just that this weird topsy turvy kind of I don't know what I mean. What would Mises think of today? Could you imagine? Oh, oh he's he's probably rolling in his grave. Um, uh, to, to, We've lost your oh, audio. Uh, yes, he's probably rolling in his grave. To be yeah, honest, they, <laughs> um, yeah. no, because he predicted all of this. Um, like in 1912, um, he published Theory of Money and Credit in English, 
it was out before in German on the, um, the Theorie des Geldes und der Umlaufmittel. Um, and it's, it's just a monumental work, uh, that, that explains precisely that the, the, uh, like what happens when you inflate money, basically when you, when you print money, when you increase the money supply, multiple consequences happens. Um, and he just lays out in this book and later in his treatise is human action, like specifically what the, the, like the logical following conclusions are to, to such an act. Um, and for example, just a, a waste of a so much waste of potential, um, hindrance of free entrepreneurs to create value, um, like deep, deep, deep malinvestment in production stages and huge overconsumptions uh, by everyone. Um, it leads us to a, a devastating, devastating waste of resources um, that, that is really, really serious on a large scale. Um, so it's I would say it's quite bad. Yeah. Where, where, where could we be? Yeah, yeah, that's that's of course a, a a huge question, and this was always what what kind of bothered me a bit with the with the state with, with the Austrian school because it was it provided all this great theory, um, and specifically anarcho-capitalism does provide some um, solid solutions, but for me it always failed in that very precise, applicable approach. Like, how do we use these theories today to defend ourselves and to stop this tyranny? Um, because I can't wait till tomorrow. I want to be free now. Um, and this was always what bothered me a bit. And that's why I was so happy and so relieved to finally discover Bitcoin, um, because I realized that this is actually a tool that is based on the fundamental first principles of Austrian monetary theory, but that is applicable today, that works today, that individuals can use today, and that can actually stop the theft happening that is uh, on, on such a monumental scale. Um, and it, it's not just theory, it's, it's application. Uh, and this is where Bitcoin in general and just cypherpunk crypto anarchist technology specifically are so superb in their strategy of providing liberation to individuals right now and right today. What age did you find the Austrian economics? I mean, like uh, you, you've, you're well, well versed in this, but you... <laughs> um, so I, I started, like I picked up Keynes and, and Fisher and this stuff when, when I started uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, so roughly 10 years old, probably. And it took me a couple of years to realize that either um, I'm completely stupid and I just don't get it because nothing makes sense, um, or the system is so fundamentally broken um, that it just doesn't even make sense to argue within the system. Um, and uh, that led me then to um, find uh, Friedman, uh, Milton Friedman, for the um, just the general libertarian theories. But I still was so fed up with his monetary theory because the monetary theory from Friedman is just mainstream Keynesian bullshit. Um, and eventually he referenced Hayek, uh, and I read some of that, and then Mises. And Mises really hit it home for me. Uh, specifically, human action uh, is, is just a, a grandiose masterpiece. Um, and eventually I, I discovered Murray Rothbard. Uh, and that really was was the, the kicker where I finally found someone to so... Uh, so to, to first of all define the first principles of individuality and human action so soundly and so irrefutably, um, just re reasoning that it's such a such a useful assumption to build your logical model on top, um, and that for example assumptions like um, collectivism just are fundamentally flawed and and lead to hor horrific outcomes. Um, but then within that first principle of individuality, Murray Rothbard specifically in the book For a New Liberty, um, just beautifully lines out what follows from these first principles based on logic and irrefutable uh, proofs. Um, and, and this is then where this whole uh, study and, and, and science of praxeology, the science of human action, of entrepreneurial choice uh, comes in uh, and where economics as a subsection evolves so beautifully and so sound and so solid and so true and verifiable 
Um, and and that uh, was, was a rabbit hole that roughly since I'm I'm 14, I've I've been devouring. <laughs> oh my goodness. You must have been driving your schoolmates crazy, uh, and your parents. Oh, you bet. Oh, you and still am, still am. They're not happy that I'm a Bitcoin. Oh no, <laughs> they get to hear that shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you're 14, and so how long do you have to wait until Bitcoin comes along and kind of you know rescues you? Because it's a pretty lonely boat to sit in, isn't it? Once you've seen the light, and if you've seen it before Bitcoin's even around, then I mean, there, there was probably no hope in your mind until until you found Bitcoin. Oh yes, yes, no, absolutely. I mean, I remember two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Um, and, and I was sitting there with my father who, who was who was doing like treasury management in incumbent uh, banking institutions. Um, and so we were talking about all types of monetary theory and economics. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is so bad. And like the shit that they're now doing to fix the, the mess up of 2007, 2008 is going to make it even worse. I'm like, they're just printing more money. That's like the root of the problem. <laughs> so, so that's not going to fix anything. Um, and yeah, I was, I was really devastated and depressed because you see that there's a huge problem, that there are thieves out there who steal such a tre- tremendous amount of human capital and human potential on a daily basis, like to an extent that every individual is a slave getting 90% of his value stolen every year. Like it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, right? Like the, the, it's, it's such a scam. <laughs> it's profound. It's like, congratulations to the people who pulled it off. I would not expect that it's that successful, but it works. Right? Um, so uh, it, it for sure was devastating. And I, I, of course, gold was the alternative. And I was stacking gold, uh, gold and silver coins for a while. Um, but it's like, well, I like cyberspace too. Right? And gold doesn't work in cyberspace. Not at all. Trusted third parties are security holes. Right? Um, so, so it, it was a it was a big hole. You see a problem. There's no apparent solution to it. That's devastating for an entrepreneur. Yeah, man. So then, what led you down the um, the, the the digital nomad kind of route? We we touched on this. There's a certain book that that touched us both um, when uh, we we were speaking before setting this up. But um, there must have been other little pushes and shoves. That, um, that that got you on that that path. Yeah, absolutely. So so in general, just grokking that idea of of individual independence for sure, you know, and what that means. So uh, mainly that was the Austrian background, right? Um, but then also, you know, applied entrepreneurial um, use case, like for example, the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Harris. I know that's that was a huge influence for your book personally, and so of course a masterpiece, uh, very well written. I mean, Tim is Tim is incredible. As stoicism uh, played a, a huge role. Um, which also Tim was was a big part in, in me articulating these thoughts, um, but then there were, I, I think were two specific strategies that I discovered that really hit it home for me and that articulated that lifestyle and that that level of defense that you get so beautifully um, that I finally decided to to implement it and to manifest it. Um, and these two strategies are first uh, Vonu. Um, meaning voluntary, not vulnerable. It's a strategy that was uh, articulated by an anonymous news writer in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, like this area. He published on, on uh, like newspapers um, and, and newsletters, um, different uh, letters about his life of opting out of the first realm um, of this crazy society that is manifesting and living a self-sustainable life, um, specifically in a nomadic style. 
Um, so, um, uh, in including, of course, as, as Raw Level is camping outside in the woods, um, and he he wrote pages and pages and pages on documentation and uh, instructions on how to build, um, you know, secure uh, dwelling places out of basically nothing, right, that are waterproof and, and somewhat insulated and where you can survive in even in winter, um, or strategies on stashing food, right, and, and long-term food production and and, uh, and reserves. Um, anonymous communications. Uh, he was a visionary speaking about, about the internet and the web and uh, the, the encryption and the direct commerce that can, that can manifest back in the 1980s. Um, like, like he, he's, he's great. And there's, there's specifically um, one guy, Sean, uh, he's kind of been reviving uh, that, that concept uh, recently. And he has a Vanu podcast, very much recommended. Very much recommended for you and your audience. Um, it, it really hits, hits that strategy of nomadism so on point, so good. Um, What's the podcast? The Vonu podcast, V-O-N-U, Voluntary Not Vulnerable. So again, it's based on first principles of voluntary individual interactions. Right? So that's why I personally am comfortable with the strategy. It's true to my first principles. Uh, and then not vulnerable, meaning it, um, Rayu has this great way of phrasing it. Um, you try to um, increase your mean time to harassment, right? So the mean time until you get harassed um, in between the two harassings, um, the longer this is, the better. So if you can go a week without encountering baludgies, which he calls cops. <laughs> so if you, go, <laughs> if you go a week without encountering the baludgies, that's great. If you can go two weeks, it's even better. If you can go a month without paying taxes, that's phenomenal. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And and so on and so on and so on. He just um, he, he has really nice uh, concrete measurements um, of the level of freedom that you that you have. Uh, and he provides like nice strategies to increase these specific areas. Yeah. So you didn't you convert a van or something? Is this what you've done uh, to uh, at some stage? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so, um, so, so well, well, first of all, because that ties in nicely to the story, um, uh, the, the second strategy that I found uh, was one articulated by Smuggler uh, and XYC um, uh, of, in a beautiful, beautiful uh, short pamphlet called The Second Realm, a book on strategy. And it defines, um, again, based on first principles of individuality and private property rights, uh, it elaborates a strategy to opt out out of that first realm of aggression, of, bur of bureaucracy, and the tyranny that, that most of society is under, you opt out selectively out of this first realm and enter a second realm of voluntary interaction uh, in trade, in an agora, right? as agorism and Samuel Edward Conkin III put it. Um, and specifically what they focus on is how to um, how to utilize cyberspace tools, right? So encryption, anonymous communications, and, and of course, cur uh, currencies, although this was written before Bitcoin, um, as well as securing your meat space. Right, so so your physical manifestation is super super important, um, and specifically when you interact with cyberspace, um, you want to have kind of a separation and a, uh, and a secure meat space location to manifest yourself fully in cyberspace. Um, and for this, they developed a concept called temporal autonomous zones. Um, so these are autonomous zones, meaning that individuals are free. Right, they are not uh, slaves to any master in this region, uh, but they are actually free and and protect themselves and their loved ones. Um, and these are zones, meaning in meat space. It's not a cyberspace chat group. It's actually a meat space location, um, and temporal, not in the sense of short lived, but in the sense of having movable capital. Right. Um, so, for example, you meet uh, in uh, like in the middle of a field uh, with your car. Right, uh, and and you you set up a, a meeting outside, and you talk to the person without any microphones, and knowing that this is a secure place where nobody's going to surveil you on that conversation, you get back in the car and you leave. 
right? That, that meeting place was a temporal autonomous zone. Uh, and this is what this strategy of the second realm articulates really, really beautifully on this, on how this can be used uh, by individuals. Wow. Now, I see something like this becoming very, very um, much in need uh, of being more understood. And just from, you know, watching my kids um, for the last, my goodness, how long has it been? About six months, maybe going fully remote um, with their um, with their learning and their education. Um, and this concept of having the um, like the, the meat space is is you know, it's critically important. And, you know, for, for my son, that would be a football team. For my daughters, it's either a horse riding or a dance class, something like that. So that's the kind of thing that, you know, we they're going to be growing up in that world, right? And it's not just like, you know, my kids. This is, you know, 10 years out. This is going to be how we learn. I mean, like the traditional brick and mortar schools are just going to slowly ebb away as we all go online and you know the kids behind them for sure that there, there won't be any need to mass congregate and queue to get in a classroom and then get up at the sound of the bell and then queue for some food and then get up at the sound of a bell and queue to get in another classroom you know like yes. they're gonna look back and like you guys were doing what <laughs> you know yes yes exactly um and, and you know uh, one great book that i like here is by mary rothbard i forgot the exact title something like on free education or something um and it really lays out that there are fundamentally three things that education is about um first it's about sharing knowledge right um and uh, this is just basically a book Right, you need to get the information from an external source, a source that you take in uh, some new input, um, and usually that was provided by well libraries, right? Because that's where the books were at, um, and uh, this was something that a university um, was one role of the university, a library. Well, now we have the internet, right? The biggest library ever at our fingertips, greatly indexed and searchable, fantastic, right? So university is obsolete in this regard. Uh, the second is on the quest um, of, of, of um, uh, like understanding. So the individual ought to understand that knowledge that he takes in, right? The second step of the trivia. Um, and with this, it, it, might, it is sometimes difficult for individuals to do this on themselves, um, just because there's, there's an overload of information and it's difficult to reason about everything. So it's nice to have partners and peers uh, to share this, this journey of understanding, specifically someone who maybe already understands the subject to a certain degree, who can uh, teach, um, who can provide knowledge in a tailor-made way, so so that the student learns and understands that subject more easily, right? But again, teachers uh, is what universities used to provide, right? That's the, the smart people who were well-learned were at universities, and that's where you met them, right? And that's where you met a whole bunch of them and where you could ask questions. Super useful, right? Now we have the internet. You can hop in in any chat room with any of the publishers of the most expert niches in whatever subject that you want, and you can sit naked in a hammock on your laptop um, while the other person is in a complete different region on the other side of the planet, right? Uh, and you can still communicate and you can still interact and ask questions. So that second aspect is completely gone. Universities are, are just uh, in that part also obsolete. And the third step of the trivium um, is to apply what ha uh, the truth that has to become understood. So you understand something really, um, but so far it's just theory, right? Now the skill is to to allocate or to choose what, what end uh, that you've discovered that you want to have. So what is the most prolific end that you want to achieve? And then to allocate the means at your disposal. And that includes your understanding of the subject and the strategy that you've developed and your understanding of how to use different tools, right? So you apply this in action, 
you do something with this, right? And, and this is where universities were, for example, useful for research um, or later then, uh, you know, for example, apprenticeships are super useful where you get applied knowledge uh, from, from a master of the tradecraft directly. Um, uh, but again, the, the boundaries of interacting with these people, the boundaries of starting new projects with the internet, specifically to engage in division of labor and to reach other peers to collaborate on a venture has become so much easier for everyone that this step that the universities probably were never that good at, to be, to be honest, is again, even much better in cyberspace. Uh, so the summary of the story is universities, uh, specifically state provided are completely obsolete. Amen. I couldn't have said it any better myself. I've tried, but I've failed every time. So I'm going to use that little clip every time. And, um, you know, one of our favorite Austrians, um, he came to the same conclusion. He now teaches completely online. Um, Dr. Seyfedina Moose um, left mainstream education. Uh, I'm sure a very nice cushy professor role at uh, brick and mortar school, but saw that it was just exactly as you just surmised. And now... Um, now teaches online to, to the people that truly want to be there and um, truly want to make um, like an effort to turn up, um, you know, once or twice a week and to contribute rather than just fall asleep in the back row or um, turn up half drunk, yes. <laughs> you know, it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's, no. it's a completely new paradigm. This. Cyberspace enables mm -hmm. this and it's the new norm. It's happening right now. And you can use all of the tool, these tools to share all the knowledge that you have right now and you can use these tools to accumulate as much knowledge as you want right now and you can interact with whomever you want to ask questions and, and, and to gain peers in a venture right now and this is all possible uh, and, and this is all not just possible it's very cheap and very easy to do not much capital needs to be invested to use these tools uh, and and that's the, the power of the internet not just to make it possible but to also make it cheap and to scale it so that billions can use it so let's get to the um the nomadic part of, uh, of your story and, um, and, and traveling around. How did you get that done? Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, okay, why I bring up um, Smuggler and the Second Realm? Because um, he has developed with Frank Brown and other contributors in Berlin a temporal autonomous zone, um, which is made out of shipping containers. Right. So they have five shipping containers um, that they've built out uh, to live in. So there are working areas, there are showers and bathrooms, there are kitchens, there is a gym, everything is inside these shipping containers. Um, the, uh, the huge benefit, it is potentially very cheap to move. Right? You just get a crane, you pack this on any truck, and you ship it anywhere in Europe. Even internationally, you just put it on a boat and it goes wherever. Our entire shipping infrastructure is tailor-made for these shipping containers. Super cheap. Super cheap, really. For, for 100 bucks, you can get it anywhere across Europe. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and even purchasing these things, um, like 0.1 Bitcoin and it's yours. Uh, so it's 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 a it's super cheap. You don't need any licenses. There's no license plate. There's little bureaucracy, right? Um, and so they've built this temporal autonomous zone there for five years now. So again, temporal does not mean short-lived. Just means potentially movable. They have a plan on how to vacate that space within one day, right? Um, so this is like, and they already have the next place where they could potentially move, right? So this is this is what temporal autonomous zone means. Temporal in potential. Right, that you could move if there ever comes an attacker. Um, and so we were standing there uh, and, and we're actually standing on top of the containers. And then Smuggler mentioned to me one thing. And now imagine you can stack containers and you can have 10 of them on top of each other. 
And then I was like, oh shit, this is, this is really good. This is really, really good. Right? You can really scale this. This is not just a small five container thing or eight containers as they have it in Berlin now. You could have hundreds, hundreds. And every individual owns his own container and has full property rights in it. And he has the choice on where to put it. Right? That is so powerful. You can pack up everything that belongs to you in Meetspace, put in that little box and travel to wherever you want. Right? And that's it. Nobody can stop you. And that is here, that's happening, and that's possible right now, right? And so that really got me so excited. I was like, I, I got to do this. Um, but then came up the big question, and Smuggler and I had had hour-long conversations about that. Do you put wheels on the container, right? Should the container <laughs> itself be on a movable chassis, right? Um, because that has some benefits. First of all, you're much more mobile, right? Instead of hiring a crane and a big truck to move you, you just roll uh, and either tow that container or maybe the container or, or box is just on top of a, a chassis directly and you can drive it forever. That increases the temporal, like that potentially temporal to a whole other level. You can wake, wake up in a new place every morning, right? At almost no price, a bit diesel, that's it, right? But there are other downsides to it. Um, uh, first of all, maintenance. Right, rubber breaks, axles break, all of this stuff. More expensive to buy, more expensive to maintain. Right. Um, uh, also, if you if you stand them longer for a period, like if the truck stands at the same place for a year, the truck is gonna start getting bad. Like tires are gonna get bust and and suspensions are gonna get um, screwed with. So you know it's easier to let just a regular shipping container stand for years, um, and it just doesn't rust and it's just there and it's good. Um, so so this is something to consider. And also very importantly. A truck has a license plate and all that bureaucracy that comes with it and all the state interference that come with it, right? Um, so, so there are really trade-offs to this question. Um, but, but for me, ultimately, what I decided that my short-term priority is to get a citadel that I can dwell in that is secure um, and where I have the freedom of, of travel. Uh, that was for me very, very important. I don't want to reside in just one space. I want to reside in multiple spaces. And I really do want to have the freedom of choice on where I want to manifest myself in meat space. Um, and with a movable container, uh, just a truck, uh, that really is, is it works out very, very well. Uh, so this is then what I decided to do at that point. So <laughs> you've got a movable... <laughs> this is awesome. How, how big is this container? Uh, it's a, a 2.7 ton truck. Um, so it, it, is, it, is, it is not above three tons, which decreases the bureaucracy quite a lot. You don't need any special driver license. Uh, you can drive it anywhere. You can park it anywhere. It's a bit big. Um, but but uh, the, the benefit of it is, or, well, so there, there, I mean, there are multiple different ways that you could choose here. Um, just a regular, first of all, just a regular small car. You can live in there. You are, okay, I, I don't like to say that you can live inside the car or inside the truck. I like, I like to say that you live out of the car. Right. Uh, you keep your belongings there and maybe you sleep there and probably you cook there. Um, but many, many times you're going to be somewhere else. Right. You're going to be either outside in nature, enjoying this as a nomad. I, I do that uh, even more so than before. Uh, or you can go to cafes or restaurants or friends or any other place. Um, you're not in that car 24-7. Right. You live out of that car, not inside. Um, but even a small car works. Uh, if you if you get a van like a sprinter van or some other company um that gives you a lot of more space um though though still depending on on the shape and, and the size of these um it, it still was kind of a bit awkward specifically because the edges of these vans tend to be tilted and that increases the difficulty to build inside quite a lot um 
uh, so so that is uh, one of the reasons why I didn't uh, like that. Plus, um, I, I'm rather tall and I'm not going to crawl uh, in my dwelling place and bow down all the time. And I don't think that's good for your freedom psyche. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I like to hold my head up high and proud. Uh, and for, for that, the truck needed to be tall. I'm 190, uh, so, it, so it ought to be uh, large enough for me to stand in comfortably. Um, and so what I ended uh, up, up uh, choosing was uh, just a box truck. Um, you know, any other delivery truck that you see, hundreds of them out there whenever you drive on the road. Um, you know, j just a standard record of the mill, nothing special. Um, no windows on the outside other than in the ceiling. Um, so uh, you don't uh, see inside, which which is quite useful. Um, and uh, still a huge living space, actually very comfortable for one or two people, um, you know, full time for, for weeks, months. Um, and uh, this uh, turned out to me to um, be quite a nice trade off um, of some conveniences. Right. So, you know, uh, stepping into a really hot shower is kind of nice. Um, uh, <laughs> or, for example, for me, the first winter, um, I didn't have any heating, uh, nothing. Uh, candles, that was it. Uh, but, you know, five candles and you notice uh, some difference. Not much, you're not warm, but there's some difference. <laughs> um, so, so then I upgraded to a fireplace in, inside the truck, and, and that's, that's just a major upgrade. I mean, a, a fireplace is comfy. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so, you know, there's some conveniences that you can uh, gain back, but in general, uh, there just might be some, some aspects uh, where you do have to sacrifice some conveniences. But again, for the amount of liberties that I personally got out of it, no-brainer deal. Most profitable deal I've ever made. So now, so that that was your kind of like um, first foray into this kind of lifestyle. But now you have the two, the the, the almost three ton truck. Is that uh, have I got the the oh, no, gist no, of I, this right? No, no. This this three ton truck is the first. Um, um, I, I was just explaining some other options that were out there. Um, oh right, okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. Actually, funnily, um, so so this all happened last year. Um, uh, I, I I bought the truck on a uh, on a Saturday for Bitcoin. Um, hit up hit up the seller on <laughs> on, on eBay. Uh, negotiated the deal. That was was quite nice. Um, uh, uh, so I got the truck uh, on Monday. It was cleaned out, like removed some shelves uh, and and you know cleaned everything. Um, and by Friday, I, I had wood installed inside. I like to live inside wood. Um, and you know my hammock was on, and there was uh, a cleaning place and a kitchen and you know the basics, some storage. Um, and I did all that in only a week uh, because I wanted to be at the Hackers Congress last year. Um, and uh, this, so this was really, I, I don't have any hotel booked in Prague and I'm not going to. Um, so I have this empty truck. I need to make it livable and I'm going to be on a trip for three months. <laughs> um, and that, that, that was basically it. And on, on that trip, I started to Prague and then traveled, I think, to 10 different European countries all over for different Bitcoin conferences. Um, and and had a blast of a time, and ever since, uh, it's 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 a, a very compelling lifestyle, I must say. That's awesome, man. And I know John Vallis did a very very similar thing. He um, he spent three to four months traveling around Europe in a camper van. I think he he went more like the the conventional route and just hired a or or maybe bought a camper van and then sold it when he was finished. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, and just cruising around different Bitcoin conferences and, uh, you know, meetups and uh, gatherings and, uh, and meeting separate people. Um, yeah, you know, this is this really is cool. something that I noticed um, specifically when, when in this truck. Like everything, like and a lot of meaningful resources that I own, I, I can carry with me wherever I want. Um, and this literally mm -hmm. means that the cost of me for traveling is ridiculously low. Um, again, mm -hmm. no hotels, don't have to worry about packing, just sit in the truck and drive. 
right? Wherever, in your park, wherever. No bureaucracy, nothing. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's very, it's very efficient. Um, so th that really means that the potentials, um, the, the, the many options that I have available where I could potentially go are huge, are huge. Like whole um, Europe, Asia, and um, well, with a ferry, also whole Africa, I could drive with this truck anywhere. I mean, that's pretty much all of the globe other than the Americas, which I could ship the truck to if I want to. Uh, but I would probably yep. rather buy a new one and build it over there. Um, but anyhow, um, th so, so the potentials are huge. And then you actually have to ask yourself the question, where do I want to wake up tonight? Right? This mm -hmm. is like, this is a serious question now. Because you have so many options, you better choose wisely. Right? Uh, and this means that more and more, I, I just am with the individual who I truly want to be. Um, and if there is a great crew of individuals in Prague, then like right now I'm in Prague. Um, and if there is some awesome stuff happening, uh, you know, somewhere in Spain, then I'm going to drive down there and chill on the beach. Um, and uh, there's nothing hindering me in, in manifesting myself in meat space anymore. Um, of course, to a certain degree, but, but just it's been a huge step forward in, in that freedom of, of choosing where to manifest myself. Love it, mate. And um, you, you're giving me itchy feet again. I would love to um, do something like that. It's it's a little bit different when you're getting six people into uh, a, a cramped space. You see, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure you've seen these videos, you know, of, of uh, car dwellers uh, who who build out huge school buses uh, in other yes. big areas. Um, uh, so you know, specifically, actually. Um, if you stand, so I, I looked a lot into these containers and, and uh, considered investing and, and building uh, these. So I, when you stand inside a 12, um, uh, a 12 meter container, uh, what is it, 20 foot, um, like all of a sudden you realize this is actually quite large. Um, okay, six people, maybe, yeah, that's, that's going to be tight. Uh, but four, comfortably, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and now you put that thing on a truck and you get a truck driving license. Uh, that's not too bad of a deal. It really... Um... Yeah, it's funny. Just last week, we were approached by a family that were interested in um, exchanging homes with us. Um, <laughs> this is how we travel. We we, we exchange uh, homes, so we avoid accommodation costs. That's great. Although it's not worked out this week for Biarritz. Unfortunately, we're heading down for the, uh, the Bitcoin conference, and uh, there was just no availability. Uh, so oh, we had to use the old-fashioned Airbnb. Can you say a bit more about how you, how you get that marketplace on, on where you find these people? Yeah, um, lovehomeswap.com is the uh, the website that we use. Um, so I we we invested in a uh, in a property. Uh, we used to live in Singapore, so we invested in a property in Thailand and a small island, um, Koh Samui, just off of um, uh, of the mainland. Uh, Fifteen years ago, we invested in that. And um, when I left my career, I um, we went and lived there for a few months to try and figure out, you know whoa what is going on um four <laughs> kids out of school um an unemployed father you know what you know did, did, this was going too far against the grain for many many friends and family of course but you know like you i just felt that pull i wanted to take back a little bit of control just you know get out of like uh th th this draining mm -hmm. system um so we listed the home on uh, an exchange site love home swap and um then we it all fell into place and we spent the next two and a half years home exchanging our way around the world with the kids. Um, oh, so this so is great. how we did it. And we come more and more self-sovereign. And like you, you know, you, we just weren't running into any kind of bureaucracy and you're like, oh man, like this is, 
you know, we'd left Singapore. They didn't care. You were just an expat. Off you go. That's a revolving door. Hadn't lived in the UK for 15 years, so they didn't know where you were. They didn't care. It's like, oh, my God, we're free. Like, <laughs> wow, this is weird. And you spend, like we spent three months in New Zealand, um, and you just treated like a tourist for three months, and tourists yeah. get treated the best. We all know that. And it was, um, it was just amazing. So funnily enough, a, a family just last week um, from the UK uh, who have converted a, a school bus approached us for a um, for a swap, and the school bus looks just fantastic, mate. It's got like the the little log burner in the corner, and um, it's it's properly, it's well well done. And I'm thinking that would be awesome. Let's get oh. going again. <laughs> Dude, but but seriously, that home swapping strategy is so interesting. Um, it yeah. makes a lot of sense, uh, and. You know, I've been thinking about this for a long time now, right? These different mobile mm -hmm. dwelling place strategies um, and specifically how to combine that, right? With the with that meme of Bitcoin citadels, right? Really well-defended yeah. secure dwelling places. Um, but again, I don't want to sacrifice, like I, I, I would be happy to invest my capital in one, like one place and build that up, but I don't want to be in one place all the time, right? So mm -hmm. for me, it doesn't make sense to invest that chunk of, of my Bitcoin into uh, one single location if I want to be all over the place. So I always envision that that then that network of citadels where somehow you can travel privately in between them, right? Um, and uh, and and what you say right now actually sounds like like a, like a social network basically is already existing for something very oh, yeah. similar. It's 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 full steam ahead. This this movement. There there are many different websites out there, and you know people. They'll, they'll exchange boats, they'll exchange uh, mobile homes, they'll exchange caravans, they'll exchange, um, you know, 10-bedroom ranches, uh, one-bedroom flats, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. There, there's every form That's available. Nice. And everybody there on this website is of the same mindset already mm -hmm. uh, because you've all came to the same conclusion. Um, you know, like the, the thing, if you've got, why have one house when you could have, 100,000. Yeah, exactly. You know? right. If there's 100,000 members on the website, you've got 100,000 houses yeah. that you could potentially, yeah. let, and all you've got to do is swap. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be like um, a conventional swap, like I'll come to your place if you come to mine. Um, if you've got a place, if your van, for example, is sitting empty right now, someone could be in it. And whilst they're in it, they could be exchanging. So there's these um, love home swap points. Um, so you could be charging them points to stay in your in your truck, and you'll use those points at a different time mm -hmm. further down the line to go stay somewhere else. I so see. it's perfect. I it, see. It really is. No, that's, yep. that's super super interesting. One point um, that I think is worth bringing up, um, because that that is different to the strategy that I'm doing personally, and I would actually like to get your opinion on that, um, is that with this, you have always a constant change of scenery. Right? You always have a new mm -hmm. living room. There's always a new bedroom. There's always a new view out of the window. There is very little consistency other than maybe your clothes and your family. Right. But, but your surroundings are in constant flux. Um, and I, I've, I, I feel that this can get draining after a while, right? When you don't really have a place that you can call home. Um, I mean, sure, your family is your home. Yes. To, to a large extent, of course. But, but still, you know, there's, there's something about having a home as a meat space. Um, and this is what I discovered and where I was so in awe when I, when I had that feeling was I was in, in, in the black forest in the middle of nowhere, like not even mobile uh, phone access, like nothing. 
um, walking in the fog for hours uh, hiking. Um, and <laughs> it was it was wet and it was cold and it was beautiful. It was creepy as fuck. <laughs> uh, but then after after all these hours, you know, hungry and tired, uh, out of the, out of that dusk, uh, I see all of a sudden my truck emerge, and I had that instant feeling of oh, finally I'm home. Right? Uh, because you you come home to the same place, right? You always sleep in the same hammock. You always have that smell of wood around you. That is always exactly the same, right? Um, and and that aspect of having a home, um, although you might be houseless, you're for sure not homeless, right? Uh, and and this is something that I've I really really much appreciate um, of despite all the crazy traveling that I do. To always have that constant base, that constant home that I can return to at night, um, that for me is super valuable. Yeah. So this all ties in as well, of course. All roads lead to Bitcoin, and um, you know, to to have this this lifestyle that you're you're leading, and um, to be able to have this currency that can go with you wherever, whenever, in um, in your mind, if need be, and um, you make a, a, a point of trying to use it as much as you possibly can. Can, can you just explain to the listeners how how you've how you've managed to do that? And um, like you're you're, you're very um, fiat averse, as uh, I guess we, we could say, <laughs> and try the, not the, to ever use that. <laughs> th- that's probably the politically correct way of, use, of saying it. <laughs> um, might, uh, might also just be um, <laughs> a, 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 like a, a radical shitcoin denier. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, I mean, Bitcoin is magical internet money. Like, naturally, you want to have more of it. Right? Like it's so fucking special. You want to get as much as possible. Um, so, so very, very early on, I realized, okay, I gotta get paid in Bitcoin. Um, like it's it's okay to to sell my fiat shit and, and to get rid of that. Yes, I, I do that as soon as possible. But that's not my business. I want to earn more Bitcoin. Um, and <laughs> that that then very soon led me down to different strategies and how I can convince my clients to pay me in Bitcoin. Um, and first I tried that, um, you know, oh, if you pay in Bitcoin, you get a 50% discount. Um, but that never really worked for me. Um, and, th- and then I switched my strategy and had a lot more success. And that was basically, so my hourly rate is 0.1 Bitcoin, right? Um, if, you, if you dare to pay me in fiat, if you think that I'm your shitcoin offloading uh, facility, right, which I'm not, um, this is an extra service that I provide for you because I need to get rid of that fiat shit and get Bitcoin, right? So this is an extra cost for me and I'm, I'm charging you for that. Uh, and I'm charging you fifty uh, percent more. Um, uh, so you are going to pay extra one point five point uh, one five Bitcoin um, for that service that I provide you, and you pay that in, in fiat or however in cash or bank accounts. Um, and then eventually I said, no, no, it, it's it's two hundred percent. Like you pay double uh, or, or triple at least. Um, and eventually I was at the point where I said, if you insist on paying me in fiat shit, sorry, I don't do business with you. Um, and th- that is the, the radical state where I'm at right now, where really all of my clients pay me in Bitcoin. Um, and even further, all of my clients at this stage um, um, denominate their contracts in Bitcoin. I don't say that my hourly rate is 100 euros. I say my hourly rate is 0.1 Bitcoin, right? Um, or whatever it is. Uh, so this it, this is how I denominate also my long-term contracts uh, over longer time periods. Um, just because I don't trust central bank cronies to manage the value uh, that, that I exchange with. 
if I say that I'm gonna like my my salary is worth one hundred dollars, uh, and you know, fun fact, but in the first quarter of twenty twenty, they increased the global monetary base, not just one shitcoin, all of the shitcoins M zero global monetary base. They inflated it by thirty percent in three months, and in the first quarter, it's fifty percent. Right. So if you had a contract denominated in one hundred dollars, all of a sudden the labor that you provide, you receive half of that. Right, probably even more because we're talking about base money increase while your contract is denominated in M3. Right, so the leverage is going is even more. So probably the contract is by now worth 75 uh, or even less. Um, so I'm not going to trust these bastards to manage how much money I earn. Right, I rely on Bitcoin for that. One of 21 million. That's it, and that's what you pay me, and that ratio will never change. That's the way, man. Wow. And what is what what is your business? What what service are you providing? What what kind of um, where can people find you if they need to come and um, and like interact and, and ask for your help? Um, so in general, I would say I'm a, f a free software entrepreneur. Um, that that means that um, specifically in in that context, I contribute to the projects that I use myself, um, and uh, the, depending on various degrees, I contribute more or less. Um, so, you know, for example, back when I still had fiat shit and a bank account, uh, which now is closed, um, I, I used BISC, the decentralized peer-to-peer -peer exchange, very private um, and secure, uh, to offload that shit. Um, so back then I contributed a lot to this, did a lot of education um, and, and, you know, user support in these areas. Um, mostly just as an enthusiast volunteer basis. Um, and or then then recently I discovered Wasabi Wallet, which is it's a phenomenal privacy-focused Bitcoin desktop wallet, um, whom I started to use like three years ago. I've been contributing ever since. Um, and um, it, uh, inside these free software projects are individuals who are, who are willing to give me sats uh, to continue doing what I'm doing. Um, basically, uh, and and these can be companies uh, who who then also ask me, for example, for consultation services on you know entrepreneurial strategies uh, or or just Bitcoin uh, nuances um, uh, or or other areas. So so that type of consulting, both for uh, companies and for individuals, um, I, I do. And there's contact information for that at towardsliberty.com. Um, but you know, mainly uh, for me, it's. Um, <laughs> You know, although I'm building a money and that I'm contributing to a monetary asset, I'm really not in it for the money. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I do contribute probably way too much of my time on, on a free voluntary basis, uh, just because I see the importance of this tool, um, and that uh, frankly there's no time to negotiate for a salary contract. Right? We got to build this shit as soon as possible. <laughs> exactly, we do, and. This is why we find ourselves, you know, talking well into the night, drinking. I'm now on red wine. Uh, I, I see you're still enjoying your whiskey. Talking about this um, to get these thoughts out to as many people as possible and uh, and hopefully inspire more people to, um, you know, start thinking in these ways. Um, now, what's the story? Why are you in Prague? Because you're doing some voluntary work right now and um, this is coming up pretty soon and it's definitely worth a huge shill. So um, can you tell us the story of how you found yourself? You're clearly not in a van because I can see, uh, unless you've got a nice bookcase and uh, a hung painting in your truck. <laughs> no, no, my truck is all wood. Uh, that's very different. Uh, no, and where no. is it? Where is the truck? Oh, no, you shouldn't tell us. Right? Ah, you is see. It even in... Is it even in the same country as you? Oh, that's a good question. But no, no, I, I don't let that old fat lady uh, too much off the leash. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no. Um, so, so anyway, uh, in Prague is something very nice happening. And that is the seventh 
annual Hackers Congress at the Paralelnipolis Institute for Crypto Anarchy. Uh, this is a phenomenal event. A bit to the history. This all started uh, in 2014, uh, where some individuals, some freedom-loving uh, artists and entrepreneurs, got together to found um, uh, what is now called the Paralelnipolis. Um, and a bit to the history, to the name, because it's very impactful, uh, specifically in today's age. This uh, uh, comes from Czechoslovakia in 1978, uh, where, where uh, books uh, and, and uh, theories on the subject recovered. During that time, the Slovakia, uh, uh, Czechoslovakia area was under heavy tyranny of the Soviet Empire, right? Uh, extreme censorship, huge amounts of propaganda. Uh, it, individual liberties were violated and raped on, on so many levels to a horrible extent. Um, and specifically also on artists. Um, there was only artists, uh, or only artists could publish who had the government stamp of approval. So there was only propaganda. No real passionate art. Um, and, and that was, of course, uh, impossible for individuals to live. Uh, and therefore, they found solutions to these problems. Um, and uh, the, the strategy that they articulated here is the parallel Nepolis, the parallel society, the parallel uh, group of individuals. Um, and uh, so this specifically um, uh, realizes the fact that during such a huge tyranny, if you are a, a public and overt um, dissenter, right, if, if you do have a public outcry against that empire, you're going to get thrown in the gulag uh, very, very quickly. So that's not a profitable defense strategy. Um, that will get you killed really quickly. Um, and th then the, the other strategy is to, to kind of play a front um, in, in that first realm, right, to still be part of the party society um, and uh, you know, to, to send your kids uh, to propaganda school. But then in the evenings, meet in secure temporal autonomous zones right, uh, where you can live freely where you can express freely. Uh, you meet in your neighbor's place and you sing music that is not on the propaganda allowed list, or you drink alcohol that is imported and smuggled across the border, right? Um, uh, or you just uh, do art uh, and, and do your business. Uh, and, and whatever you do as a free individual, um, you do outside of the tyranny. And, and that is the parallel society. Uh, so it is a strategy that emerged under a great level of tyranny, um, and it was very successful. And that's why I think today, under this new tyranny that we're facing, this new digital totality, which is the theme of this year's Hackers' Congress, um, that this strategy specifically is so, so, so important to understand uh, and to consider of utilizing. Um, so in 2014, these groups of individuals, um, uh, both Sotoven, which was the artist group, as well as the Institute of Crypto Anarchy, um, got together to build uh, the Parliament Polis in Prague. Uh, which is a building in Hilishovice in the heart of the uh, of Prague, beautiful city, by the way. Um, and uh, in that building, there are three, uh, four floors um, with a, a coffee, uh, no, first and foremost. And this is the Bitcoin coffee, the first place on this planet that exclusively demands to be paid in Bitcoin, where fiat never was accepted since day one. They do not accept fiat in exchange, only Bitcoin. Uh, and other currencies, uh, cryptocurrencies. So the, um, this is one of the, the places that started in 2014. There's also a paper hub, a hackerspace and co-working space, uh, as well as the Institute of Crypto Anarchy that, that organizes many workshops and educational events all around Czechoslovakia. Um, and, uh, you know, also just other cool areas here. So every year, starting in 2014, they do the Hackers Congress, uh, which uh, is a gathering of, of doers, uh, of, of freedom-loving individuals who build and use the tools to defend themselves right now. Uh, again, this is crypto anarchy. This is not economics. This is not Bitcoin. This is crypto anarchy. So we're, we're not talking, we're doing, right? Um, and we're building these tools uh, live right then and there and, and teaching uh, others how to use them properly. Uh, and this is what the Hackers Congress is about. And how many, like this year, you, you're going to be, I mean, I know you're there on the ground. You're, you're there. 
Um, but you're going to be um, running this as a hybrid, right? The, uh, and you're doing this voluntary, right? This is you just trying to help the cause. Yes, yes, exactly. I, I love Parlani Police. I, I love the individuals working on it. I love the first principles and the strategies of the crew. Um, and it's a project that I've contributed to for, for many years now, both uh, with my time and my, my effort and my, my network, uh, as well as financially, uh, because it's it's a worthy cause uh, and they're doing fantastically damn good work. Um, um, so, so, but yes, um, so these, these last Hackers Congress have, have grown in size more and more. The first one was, I think, like 75 people or so. Um, and uh, the, the last one was, I think, 600 or 700. Uh, so it's, it's quite a big event, actually. Right? In seven years, it, it really, specifically in the European scene, it's, it's quite well known, actually. Um, so, but this year, naturally, with the digital uh, totality that is manifesting, uh, the bureaucrats are making our life fucking difficult, right? Uh, so they're going <laughs> to slaughter individuals if they're going to cross borders uh, and, and uh, imprison them in their homes for however long they choose is, uh, is necessary um, and just uh, whatever that means today. Um, uh, and so th therefore, many individuals will not take on that risk uh, um, uh, in, in that black market of, of living free um, uh, and will therefore not travel. So we, we realize that and still for the courageous and individuals who come to Parliament uh, locally, there will be something happening in meat space in any case. Um, uh, that is for sure. Uh, we're not going to uh, stop uh, gathering as free people. Um, however, also, we're going to tailor make this for cyberspace, as the last years were too, but this year even more so, um, so that others all over the globe uh, can, can connect and can gain this knowledge live um, and specifically interact um, with these others. Uh, so, so a bit to the technical setup, um, there are um, three main stages. Uh, that are filled with talks from breathtaking speakers. Go to hcpp.zz and you see the speakers list. It's it's quite intense. Um, so this is packed. There's also a stage for the for an applied workshop for the sovereign individual, where um, we build layer by layer by layer strategies and tools of defense, uh, so to uh, so to protect uh, both individual liberty and property and loved ones uh, from this digital totality. A superb workshop. Uh, also, everything is on the website where you can see that lineup. It's it's really really great. Um, and so this is this is the main part of the event, and this will done on a on a conference uh, like a, a cyberspace conference platform called Hopin. Uh, which, for example, the value of Bitcoin conference used, if, if some of your viewers attended. Um, and here you have great networking. So there's chat rooms for each of these stages. There are breakout sessions where others can join a video chat um, and, and ask questions. Um, and uh, there's like a peer-to-peer -peer meeting where you just meet randomly with another person who is online, either over text or video um, or audio only. Um, so th th this, th these are quite some nice uh, things that the, the purchaser of, uh, of tickets um, uh, to the Hackers Congress can get. Um, and by the way, when we're speaking of ticket purchases, um, I'm quite happy to announce uh, that we have a great discount code, uh, actually a 50% off uh, the ticket sale. Um, and that discount code is the name of the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I didn't know you were going to do that, mate. That's very nice. <laughs> oh, no, 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 for sure. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, th th that's the thing. We really want to uh, get people involved here. And sats are precious. Uh, so we all got to stack as much as possible. Um, but still, I think exactly. this, is a, this is quite a valuable investment. Um, you know, it's not just something where you get something exchanged. It also really does support a good cause. Um, so, so that's why I'm very happy to still pay for my ticket, uh, even though I, I would get a free one. Um, though, though, nevertheless, um, so, so the, the, the coupon code is once bitten as name of the podcast altogether. Uh, and again, 50% off, uh, the, these tickets, which is quite nice. So if people are interested in hanging out, um, it's going to be 24 seven as well, right? You guys are doing this from the 2nd to the 4th of October. Is that right? 
So uh, a bit nuance here. These main stages are happening during the Prague uh, daytime. Um, so that's UTC plus two, um, just the daytime, I think from 10 till eight or something. Um, there are these mm -hmm. main stages and workshops happening. Um, but during the night, we sleep. <laughs> However, hmm. uh, because of the magical power of cyberspace and one of the other uh, really nice projects um, um, at the Hackers Congress and where, uh, where Princey is involved too, uh, that is the HCPP TV. Uh, and that, as you said, is a hopefully, I hope we can make it work, I'm not sure, a 24-7 live stream throughout that weekend. So starting somewhere on Friday morning and finishing somewhere on Sunday evening and never stopping in between. We just roll and fuck it and do it live. <laughs> uh, and that will be quite intense. Uh, so I think by now we have 30 podcasters confirmed uh, to come on as co-hosts. Uh, of, of this event, uh, and Daniel is one of them, um, uh, to, you know, hang out and have a great conversation. And we're going to bring on all the speakers, all the organizers, people can call in from abroad and, and wherever from cyberspace. And we just have a nice conversation. Uh, and this HCPP TV is publicly and for free live streamed to the Paralanipolis YouTube account. Okay, so so this is where, where anyone can can get some of the action and can get a teaser of what the conference is actually about, uh, and then purchase the tickets to 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 be part of that live stream and actually interact. Um, though eventually all these stages from the the talks will be uh, uploaded, and uh, uh, eventually because information longs to be free, uh, and we want to get the word out. Uh, but but still for this for these interactions uh, we gotta earn some sets. Yeah, for sure, mate. So right, okay, so we've just. So we have this right. It's hccp.cz. Yeah, is that the website? Dude, that's so confusing, and I do the same the same mistake also <laughs> all the time. Um, it's HCPP. Okay, so not HCCP, okay. but two P's. So because it's called the Hackers Congress, right? So HC of Paralonipolis, that is the PP. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I double-checked, because if I'd have got that wrong in the show notes, that would have been really pointless. You see, you see. So, hcpp.cz and if people are interested if they uh, enter the coupon code uh, once bitten at, at the point of checkout they'll get a 50% discount precisely That's awesome, man. yeah everything is on a self-hosted btc pay server accepting only bitcoin and over the lightning network um, so th this is how real entrepreneurs demand to be paid that's brilliant well yeah um and thanks for including me and thanks for um uh, alerting me to this. Uh, I wish I could be there, but like I said, we're, we're traveling across the Biarritz. Um, I will be part of the, um, the, the TV and, and, you know, I'm locked in for an, at least one hour and I'll try and do some more ad hoc um, interviews as they come up That's as the great. weekend unvolve, um, un evolves where we're going to be. Um, but yeah, there are some great, you, I mean, I've seen the spreadsheet that you guys are putting together and like the, the names that you are attracting are, incredible to come and help all the podcasters all the all the all the well-knowns are coming and yes, um, sure. just lending a hand to, to to make this thing um as big and as successful as possible so yeah, yeah. very humbled yeah no um, for sure this, this, is a, this is a rock star lineup uh, seriously uh, and I'm I'm kind of uh, surprised because I kickstarted this just a couple of days ago, and I reached out to a bunch of people. I was like, "Hey, want to do this? <laughs> it's gonna be crazy, a lot of fun." <laughs> uh, but it seems to be kind of working out. Uh, so we're gonna figure out how to how to make this awesome. I mean, the Hackers Congress really did like exponentially increase with every year. Um, and I think this year, although the bureaucrats make our lives so miserable right now, I think we, despite, like even in that, uh, or like speci specifically because we're in that shitty situation right now, um, we, we can adapt and apply and become more efficient and more nimble and learn better strategies to protect ourselves because this is an attack. 
Like we're being attacked. Mm-hmm. This is our liberties being taken away right now. You're no longer allowed to leave your house. That is an arrest. That is tyranny. That's fascism to the core. Uh, and we got to defend ourselves for that. Uh, and, and we still got to gather in cyberspace and collaborate and build something beautiful and delightful uh, in all that harm and suffering that is going on. Um, because otherwise, quite frankly, I would probably go insane <laughs> if, if not for that ability to act uh, and to try to fix these problems. Yeah, for sure, mate. Well, Max, you've blown me away with um, y- y- your whole story, uh, your your deep knowledge of um, Austrian economics, um, your commitment to the cause. Your um, you know you are living what you're preaching. Uh, I think it's really you know well done, man. This is um, this gives me so much hope for future generations and makes me even more bullish on Bitcoin. <laughs> And <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, first of all, thanks for the compliment. I really do appreciate quite a lot. Uh, but you know, that's that's the thing, man. I'm continuously surprised that I can still get more bill- bullish on Bitcoin. How the fuck is that possible? Like, I'm I'm so bullish. <laughs> it is barely containable. <laughs> but still, with every day, I'm like, this is just getting more intense. Like, I think I need a break. <laughs> I I know, man. It's it's just ridiculous. You know? um, so here's the question that um, I usually drop at the end of each show. Um, what is, uh, if you had, I'm going to have to change it. I, u- I generally use the red pill, but um, I was told the other day that in the US that's now getting uh, political connotations oh, running up to the election. Oh, who, who are you discriminating? So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I want to remain neutral and apolitical as much as possible, especially in a country where I have no voting rights. <laughs> <laughs> what um if you had one orange pill left to give to someone who would you give that orange pill to and why um that's such a great question um i'm i'm gonna say so so the orange pill is bitcoin and bitcoin is of course magical so i, I can i can say that the orange pill can resurrect the dead uh, <laughs> and if that is the case and without the shadow of a doubt, the, the people who I would, or the person whom I would orange pill is Murray Rothbard. Uh, he was just such a, uh, such a genius mind. I mean, it's just, just beautiful the way that he articulated himself and the way that he, his logical, rigorous mind worked. Um, and he understands Bitcoin m- more than most of us, uh, despite dying in 1995. Um, Funnily, he wrote a book, uh, a great small pamphlet, very great uh, red pill, actually, to get people interested in monetary theory, uh, called What Has Government Done to Our Money? Um, and funnily, I made an audio reading uh, of that book where I uh, changed some words. Right, So I changed the world gold for Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> and um, the book makes so much sense. He just explains Bitcoin <laughs> so perfectly in like 1980-something. Um so, so seriously, that guy is my biggest hero and my biggest mentor uh, and, and great friend, despite never having the pleasure to speak to him. Um, so that, without a shadow of the doubt, I would give him the white paper and he would be like, well, obviously, finally, you figured it out. <laughs> right. yeah, you guys finally got there. <laughs> he is the Toshi Nakamoto, after all. <laughs> yeah, yes, of course. Well, Max, where can where can people come and find you and um, and interact with you? Make sure you shield your um, your business you um, towards liberty dot com and um, and your Twitter handle so many people can come and um, interact with you. 
Yeah, so for, for sure, towards liberty dot com is is um, more of an archive of knowledge, um, uh, but but also kind of my personal site. Um, and there is a bunch of links and references to three main topics: um, Austrian economics and praxeology, uh, hundreds of book links, um, as as uh, well as Bitcoin, naturally. Um, though that is pretty much out to date. I really got to update that archive, but what time? <laughs> and the third is natural law. Uh, so the aspect of individual philosophy uh, and, and what ought to be uh, right and done and uh, done justly. Um, so these are the three pillows uh, that that I share. Just some curated information. There are nothing new that I created, um, but but something that I found valuable for myself uh, to, to learn, um, as well as my personal contact con- uh, de- my personal contact details uh, where you can reach me, um, uh, including you know also uh, regarding that business of, of, of consultations, you know, and, and all these aspects of, of economics, entrepreneurship, uh, Bitcoin, privacy, all of that. Um, uh, I think I have a couple of things to say, and and specifically, you know, I, I do share hundreds of videos and got too many how, how many uh, hours of podcasts and stuff. Uh, but there is something special about having a tailor made education, right? Where you can actually ask questions and and you can go in depth in the nuances that you want to. Um, so this is kind of the service that I, I provide here. My my time, um, not the information that I share because that I share freely in cyberspace, uh, but my time to actually sit down and make it uh, custom made and tailored. Um, as, so that is that is readily available. Um, and, uh, you know, then specifically, of course, for HCPP, um, go to hcpp.zz um, and, and get your tickets. I mean, really, it's it, it was a phenomenal event in cyberspace. Go back, check out the archives at the YouTube channel of Paralanipolis. I have thousands of hours of great, great talks, phenomenal talks. Um, and it will be even better this year. Um, and now there's no longer a, a hindrance for you coming to meet space to Prague, uh, but you can actually fully interact and join. It's not just a live stream. It really is an interactive gathering uh, in this hop in uh, chat. Um, so th- this, I think, really is worth uh, the however many sats it is to get the ticket. Uh, and again, with that discount code of 50% uh, once bitten, uh, I, I think uh, it's, it's quite a very, very reasonable trade to make. Um, so yeah, Daniel, thanks very much for, for getting me on the show. Uh, that, was, that was fantastic. It was a pleasure, mate. It was great to meet you. Uh, look forward to meeting you in your van one day whenever you're traveling through France. Make sure you um, give me a shout. Oh, for sure. And uh, even even if you're two or three, four hours away, I'll, I'll drive over and, <laughs> and come and have a beer and, and hang out in your truck. And, uh, you know, we won't be recorded. We'll be out in the woods somewhere Precisely. talking Bitcoin. Precisely. You know, the, the best places <laughs> to be is where there's no internet access. Uh, when you're truly out of cyberspace, that's just... Uh, that's phenomenal. And, you know, that's, that's the thing with, with uh, living out of a truck, um, that it really gets you places. Uh, and that's what I love so much about it. So for sure, uh, we're going to hang out uh, and then do some wilder manning. Love it, mate. Love it. Thanks, Max. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing everything. And uh, all the best, mate. Best of luck. Fantastic. Bye-bye. guys thank you for listening to that one with uh with max um i'm sure you'll agree there's a very bright young man on a mission um my god like uh educating himself in the field of austrian economics as young as like his early teens um (laughs) and this lifestyle he's trying at least that total self sovereign lifestyle that he's um not trying to achieve he's achieved it like you know he's far further down the route and a mobile citadel idea um you know this stuff 
Talking to him about this stuff, you know, his eyes light up, a big smile comes across his face. This is something that he is, you know, he's found his place, right? You know, you, you, you listen to his, his story, his, um, his, his upbringing. This is, this is it. He's found his space in the Bitcoin arena and uh, the privacy arena and the self-sovereignty arena. This has all just clicked for him at, at what an age to have done that, you know, in your early 20s. Um, you know, the, the sky is going to be the limit. And it's so great to interact with, with young people in this space and, um, and see the way it's going to, to shape their next 10 to 15 years and, uh, and knock that onto the generation following them. And um, if that doesn't make you bullish for the, uh, you know, the, the, the way that um, Bitcoin is going to shape society, then I don't know what what is going to make you bullish, you know? Um, it's, it's, it was so much fun to, to get to meet Max and to, to, to learn a bit more about him. And I truly look forward to meeting him one day in person. Um, don't forget to go check out um, hcpp.cz and then use the coupon code once bitten if you want to go and get uh, 50% off and, and be part of that um, hybrid uh, conference that's going on. That could be a really cool thing to do. Uh, I'm going to be hanging out um, on the Sunday morning uh, on some of the uh, on one of the TV channels, which they're they're, right, um, they're doing the live TV uh, channel. So that'll be something new for me. No idea who I'm going to meet, uh, and I'm looking forward as well. Um, a quick shill for um, there's a, a Bitcoin uh, surfing and Bitcoin event going on down at uh, Biarritz next weekend. Um, obviously, it's. Um, a bit tough at the moment for everybody to get around, but you know, if you can make it and um, you are you are able to, that one is, um, as far as I'm aware, that's just a free meetup. I'm just going to rock up and, at the uh, Radisson Blue Hotel and uh, go go meet some Bitcoiners, which is going to be um, great fun. So, thanks everyone for listening. As usual, really appreciate anything that you do to help support the show. Um, somebody reached out to me. And, um, you know, big, big thanks, um, asking what more can they do to, to help the show. And uh, other than a retweet or a, uh, a comment or um, a review, I'd, I don't know whether how much weight these reviews hold. I really don't. But uh, big, big shout out. Thank you, Ben Gunn. That's, that's uh, at poor Ben Gunn on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Go give him some love. He was in the DMs asking how he could help. So um, if, if there is a way you guys think you, you, you could help, reach out. I'm all ears. I'm happy to hear from you. And um, yeah, just appreciate anyone that's listening. And um, I'm glad to be adding some value to, to some of you in some way. So until the next show, guys, uh, take care and uh, go check out um, this, this hacker conference and stay safe. <laughs>